Hey, after a bit of a hiatus, we've gone and done it again. <laughs> we have, Mom. We haven't run out of songs. I know yes, that's what no, everybody that's... was thinking. But no. No, no. no. We, we uncovered a new trove of songs. So, yes. Uh, I am Jimbo. And I am the Mixter. And welcome to Songs You Should Know. This is episode number 10. And uh, we started to do a come up with the idea of country songs for rockers. And then as soon as we hit Hank Williams, uh, senior, we, we, uh, we, we stopped. <laughs> so this is, this is volume one because it's like, you, you can't, you can't get enough, you know, um, you can't get enough of Hank Williams senior and you can't underestimate his influence on rock and roll. So, um, we are coming to you from the Songs You Should Know World Headquarters, located in a secret bunker in central Minnesota, and from our satellite office in Branson, Missouri, which is right out in the open, but because there's so many so many distractions in Branson, you'll never know where it is. So um you wouldn't look you wouldn't recognize the satellite office if you looked straight at it. Unless you notice the small bright red satellite dish mounted on the roof. And we can't tell you exactly where the world headquarters is in uh, central Minnesota, but there are security reasons. We have a priceless vault of classic music, but we can tell you that you can see Lake Wobegon from here. Right. Even if you have a drone, good luck. Even if you <laughs> yes. have the goggles with the drone. All right, you. so we're, <clears throat> we're going to get into some Hank Williams Sr. Oh. here, so... Man, what a lineup! And that's only <laughs> that's yeah. only three of Hank Williams Sr.'s songs. But uh, yes, we've got uh, "Move It On Over," and we have "Your Cheating Heart" and "Hey, Good Looking." And uh, trust me, it was hard to limit it to just that because. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll probably throw in a few bumps from a, a few other things along the way here because, man, right? And apparently. About, Apparently, you, you said it was also hard to find clean copies of those. You said well, that. It, it was a little bit. I, I had to I had to do a little bit of searching in the vault here. You know, I mean, there's some boxes in the corner, and and uh, some stuff gets covered up over the years. <laughs> They're but, up uh, high. <laughs> it's the one. It's always the ones on the bottom. So, so Jim texts me and, and he says, "Man, I had a hard time. You know, I had to go through the vault." And he said, "Hank Williams thinks he's Prince." And I said, "Well, <laughs> about 1940 something." Yes, <laughs> he was. He was as close as you could come, um, <laughs> and he, you know, he's regarded as one of the most significant and influential American singers and songwriters of the 20th century. I mean, the guy from very early on um, was hugely influential, and he only lived to be 29 years old. 
Yeah, live fast, live hard, leave a good corpse. There you Man, go. you know, I, you know, and I, I think now nowadays we think about old country and stuff, and we, you know, it's hard to realize this guy was a kid when he, he wasn't passed even away. thirty, right? When and, and he's yeah. writing, you know, yeah, yeah, and uh, like a lot of rock and rollers, a lot of musicians in general, he he could not read or notate music to any significant degree. Okay, so basically, he's he's he has a lot in common with a lot of the old blues players, you know. I mean, he just yeah. B, I don't think BB King could no, probably read charts. No. And, so, but he didn't know a chord. So anyway, his his given name is not Hank. It's Hiram. It's a good this southern name. Me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, he, he was Hiram, and I've I've seen that he I've seen you know conflicting stories that he either changed his name because he thought it was better for country music, or or that Hank was actually his middle name, so Hiram Hank Williams. But anyway, um, so he went by Hank, which yeah. is just just a more country name, you know, to call it somebody. Is. So, so uh, and he was. <laughs> He did have a radio show, and he, did. Uh, <laughs> he was on WSFA. It was called, and, uh, early, and he was, okay. So we have, we have we have some early clues here to to his eventual life outcome. But uh, he was he was fired for habitual drunkenness, and uh, which is still a term <laughs> nowadays. And <laughs> I'm sure his paperwork so, uh, that with HR. Yeah. So uh, he was fired, and eleven years later, um, he died from heart failure. And he was traveling to perform at a concert in West Virginia, and he had gone through a lot of back pain, alcoholism, prescription drug drug abuse. But I mean, who knows what the what the whole story was? But um, so he he was in fairly declining and poor health. He was only 29, and he was actually in, you know, one of the peak phases of of his career. Yeah. But... Uh, he was on top. All right. We're going to kick things off with... Uh... Came in last night at half past ten, that baby of mine wouldn't let me in, so move it on over. Now, where did you first hear that song? Well, actually, <laughs> was uh, was George Thorogood in, in the George Thorogood? I was going to say that that's how I got introduced to that song. We'll have yeah. a we'll have a sound sound bump of that in a little bit. But um, exactly, that's you know the interesting thing is that it was recorded in his first session for MGM. And he recorded a lot of classics there. I saw the light was recorded at the same time, and uh, it's it's considered one of the first examples of rock and roll music. Even though he is obviously a country music superstar, but um, so at the same at the same session, I, and I have to play a bump of this because I always like this song too. But yeah. uh, he recorded "I Saw the Light." <laughs> Savior in Then Jesus came Like a stranger in the night Praise the Lord 
Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. Yep. Doesn't get any more gospel <laughs> that than is, that. You know, and talking about, you know, being a sinner, you know, yep. and, and it... <laughs> It did him in, but but, oh yeah, it was like, you know, but he had that, he had that sound, you know, that just, you know, honest sound. He saw the light, he went out sleeping with the dog. Oh man. (laughs) So yes, Move It On On Over is released in June of 1947. And like most of Hank's, um, well, probably all of Hank's um, singles, it was a 10 inch single. Right, you know, and it was a whopping two minutes and forty nine seconds of right, right, <laughs> so to speak. Now, I tried to come up with the musicians that were on on his recordings, and basically, his backing band is always listed as the Drifting Cowboys. And so I look up, okay, who's was part of the Drifting Cowboys? But there's it's a it's a list a mile long, <laughs> so I could not tell you on any particular recording who did what. And I'm sure that if I you know spent more time Googling it, I could probably narrow it down. He, 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 he is like Prince. You never knew who was playing with me. You know what I'm saying? Most of the exactly. time it was Prince, but I mean, <laughs> I got reasons most of, for that. Well, yes, most, most of, of it was. Yeah. I don't like you guys. <laughs> anyway, back to Hammer and Hank. Yeah, well, it was his first Billboard hit. Hey, he got written up in the Alabama Journal. And he got some serious money, which probably wasn't a good thing for an alcoholic. But he got <laughs> he got uh, he got some serious money, and he got a spot on the Louisiana Hayride, which wow. uh, at the time, you know, on on that radio show, that was sort of the training ground for the Grand Ole Opry. So, um, cool. So the Grand Ole Opry was still that's a different thing, but the Grand Ole Opry was still happening at that time I, I oh yes yeah no yeah it was uh, it was uh before the Ryman whatever the the original location there was for yep. It. yep but uh, so one of the cool things that Hank Williams did senior in his short life was some of the songs that he he sang were sort of novelty songs but they weren't really novelty I mean they were sort of serious and so yeah he, here's a guy you know Move it on over is all about you're out in the doghouse with with your <laughs> yep. with your woman, but um, it, it was also it was also very true, you know, because I mean a lot of people listening to the radio at the time or you know, his country music audience were like, yeah, they, they can understand being in the right. doghouse with the old lady, yeah. you know. They were and, at the uh, hockey tonk hearing that <laughs> drinking. So, you know, I mean, think right. about it. So, <laughs> so I mean, the idea—the idea is that he's forced to sleep in the doghouse after coming home late at night. So it's literally in the doghouse rather than just being in the, yeah. you know, the yeah. metaphorical doghouse. But no, um, it's the doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> smells like up dog in here. What's up, dog? Not much dog. What's up with you? Move over. <laughs> well. You mentioned earlier that uh, the song has been covered by a lot of people, and you and I both probably first experienced this song with uh, George Thurgood and the Destroyers. And that was like 78, 79, am I? Uh, yeah, yeah you, you'd be right in there. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, 
And, you know, at the time, I think he was called Lonesome George Thorogood originally. Yes. They called him Lonesome George. But, uh, um, and so, and he, uh, you know, George Thorogood came out doing an entire album of, well, he did many albums of basically blues covers and, and stuff. But, but, uh, one of his first signature songs was actually a cover of this, you know, country classic. So, uh, and boy, I, I tell you what, I, I pulled it up again and just listening to that up tempo version that he did of it and everything is just. I committed last night about a half past ten that baby of mine would let me in. I remember, I remember reading a Rolling Stone article about George Thurgood when when this first came out, and him playing a show for like five people in a bar someplace. Been there, so have you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with the, with the amp, you know, sitting on a folding chair, you know, that kind of thing, and five people in the in the audience, and this Rolling Stone critic went in there and, and watched him and went, "Holy cow." This guy takes it serious. <laughs> He's like, he was like totally into it, even though there are like five people in the room. So <laughs> you got to be all in. You got to take ownership. All right. I like well, how we, uh, I like yeah, how we kept the bouncy, the bounciness of that song. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And not that he emulated uh, Hank Sr., but when you listen to his voice, he's, he's got that little, he's trying to get that little country. Right. Draw yeah. in there, you know? Yeah, and it's a it's a very spare song, you know. I mean, there's oh, there's plenty of room for him. Yep. So, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break because we're about 15 minutes in, and then we're going to come back with another song. Coming back. <laughs> Lock on our front door, and my door key don't fit no more. So get it on over, move it on over, scoot it on. You're cheating hard, will make you weep. You'll cry and cry. And try to sleep But sleep won't come The whole night through Your cheating heart Will tell on you When tears Man You know, you know how <laughs> Yeah, September 1952 Four months later, he's dead yeah, you know, I guess I, I didn't know that either. But, yeah. you know, well, I mean, not that and, I planned on it, but. Well, and it wasn't released until after he died, so. Okay, I was, was going to ask, so it, it didn't come <laughs> out until after he was, wow. Right, so unfortunately, as happens very often in uh, rock and roll and musical stardom, the fact that you died suddenly makes you 
sexy and uh, or very interesting to to listeners. So yeah. it, it really, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I, it would it would have been a major classic anyway. But the fact was that his death really set it on fire. Highlighted you know? that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so like it, I he said, was, I mean, yeah, he was, he, he was on a successful streak. I mean, he'd released, you know, such classics as Honky Tonk Blues, one of my favorites, mm -hmm. uh, Half as Much, uh, Setting the Woods on Fire, and of course, Jambalaya on the Bayou. Jambalaya, Catfish Pie. Right. And uh, I did have to go into the vault and pick this up because we, we, of course, we come from Louisiana. Piece. We come from Louisiana heritage, right. so I, I, I had to pull it up, <laughs> and I, I still love it just as much, you know. So it's like. <laughs> Goodbye, Joe. Me gotta go. Me oh my oh. Me gotta go. Pull the piro down the bio. My Yvonne, the sweetest one, me oh my oh. Son of a gun, we'll have big fun on the bio. Jambalaya, crawfish pie, feely gumbo. Got to pull the pierogue down the bayou. I was just going to say, got to pull the pierogue down the bayou. We'll pull some pierogues. You know, and you just get and that once, feeling. Like, I mean, you, you know, what I mean, I just want to go. You know, I just want to yeah. go get some pots and pans. I had me a little crawfish boil right now. <laughs> Throw some hot dogs in there and some corn, and <laughs> and once once again, the musicians are the drifting cowboys. <laughs> so it means who knows? With I, I mean, I'm sure I could try to research. You know, specifically those sessions, but yeah. it's a I'll long. Let you do that on your own time, case. listeners. <laughs> 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 we don't want to take up your precious time. So country music historian Colin Escott said that that song, um, not Jambalaya, but Your Cheating Heart, the one that we're talking about. Oh, yeah, let's get back to that. Um, yeah, let's get back to that. For all intents and purposes, defines country music. And I think if you had to to limit your description of country music to one song, Your Cheating Heart would not be a bad choice. Right, that, that wouldn't be a bad moniker or that's your mission mm -hmm. statement you know if you're in country and um yep. if if i was on my game which apparently i'm not <laughs> i would have uh, i would have uh had a bootleg recording because that the other thing i i like about this song i didn't notice it until this happened was a project that i worked with we had a female sing it and you would not believe the response that melody huh. got and this you know and this is the crowd was you know, from that time. And so they're huge Hank Williams senior fans. And every night that, and she still does sing that song. And if you listen to the words, it, it can really be sung by either or without having to change the words. Oh no. It's, it, it's it, a fairly uni universal yeah. sentiment, but the effect is definitely the same. I mean, she'd get standing ovations and probably still does, you know, every, every night it's in an, it's that's, that's a song. That's cool. So. Man. So yes, after William's death, the ch the song topped the charts for good six weeks and sold over a million copies, and uh, you know it would have been a classic in any case. But yeah. uh, I mean, in, in for 1953, I'm guessing a million units sold is 
quite the accomplishment because we didn't. Pretty big. Pretty we big probably had deal. half the population <laughs> that we do now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is that. You have less record buyers. Well, and we haven't we haven't actually hit the age of rock and roll yet. You know, I mean, no, Elvis Elvis's big year was fifty six. You know, so right. it's you're like still coming out of the depression. So not, not like people right, have a bunch yeah. of money. So yeah, so so Williams divorced his wife Audrey Mae Shepard, and he had married her like she was barely divorced from her husband before that. So he had married her right away. And then he divorced her, even though they would go on to record several duets together. And yes, Hank Williams Jr. is actually right. their their progeny. Um, but Williams drinking eventually caused irreparable damages to their to their relationship. Um, so the woman who would become his next wife, Billie Jean Jones. Um, he described his first wife, Audrey May, as a cheating heart. And supposedly she wrote down she wrote down that phrase and helped write down some of the lyrics and stuff, but uh and that's where the song came from. Wow. So. And uh many artists of course have, have covered this over the years. Uh and there again we always find in, in the vault ones that you wouldn't think of. Louis Armstrong, I think he covered everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, Glenn Campbell. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, we did. See? Your cheating heart will make you weak. You'll grind and grind and try to sleep. But sleep won't come the whole night through. Your cheating heart will tell on you. I'm fully convinced that Louis Armstrong could sing anything. I agree. And make, and make it sound cool. Yeah. You know? Very cool. <laughs> no, that's. Man. I could sing Coom. If he sang Kumbaya, you know, it'd be like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's too Kumbaya. bad. That, yeah. It's too bad he wasn't, you know, like in this era, he could do some Backstreet Boys. Some... Oh, man. <laughs> well, you were starting to mention, besides Louie, I mean, like Glenn Campbell did this, Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis. I mean, yeah. it's it's one of those songs that's such a, you know, iconic, iconic. Um, thing that... Um, and then... Hey, Ray Charles in 1962 came along and did it too. Now, have you heard this yeah. version? I, I don't know if I have. I I should have I should have pulled that up. Um, yeah, I guess I don't. I mean, remember. Ray it's Charles Ray hard, Charles so. did a he, Ray Charles did a, a a whole album of you know the sound the sounds of modern country music or whatever it was, but um, which which was really big in his career, and we we obviously have to do an entire Ray Charles show one day too, but. Uh, Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, he did. Uh, he did an entire country country music album, and, um, and I'm not sure if this is from that album, but it's from that same time period. So, um, and of course, the song is you know it's what two two seventeen on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, number five on Country Music 
television, CMTV's uh, 100 Greatest Songs in Country Music. Yeah, so and, I mean, uh, it's, it's the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, like I said, if you had to... If you had to define rock and roll, you could call it Chuck Berry, and if you had to define uh, country music, you could probably say you're cheating heart. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so yes, and, and then course, then we uh, come we come yeah. to we come to the inevitable demise. We come to the end. So, as so many other well, yeah, actually, so unfortunately, so many other musicians while, while traveling to a scheduled uh, New Year's show in Canton, Ohio. His driver found uh, Williams dead on the back seat of the car during a stop in Oak Hill, West Virginia. And so Your mm. Cheating Heart was released at the end of January 1953. Like you said, that was after his death. And um, uh, propelled by Williams' death, of course, the, the song in the A-side, Kalija, which I guess I didn't know that I'm familiar with the Charlie Pride well, yeah, I know that's that's what I remember too. Is hearing you know, Dad play Charlie right. Pride record right. and hearing, but uh, Kalaja became a, a hit, and then uh, and Kalaja was the A side of the of the single. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so <laughs> so there you go. You know, selling over a million records, and it just happened to <laughs> yeah. have a tune just as well on the B side. So Billboard initially described this the songs as both of them as. Uh, Superlative. Thank you. <laughs> Superlative <laughs> tunes and performances. Both of them. Now they're talking about and emphasizing, yep, yep. you know, emphasizing the, you know the sales potential. Uh, within a short time from its release, uh, the song reached number one on Billboard's top uh, C and W country western. Both of them records uh, were remained for six weeks. So right. So we, we talked about, you know, the, the genesis of the song driving around with who would become his second wife and supposedly wrote down the lyrics for him. But uh, so he polished it off with he had a co-writer, Fred Rose, and he polished it off with him and then he recorded it during the last sessions he ever did. And that was September 23rd, 1952. And at the time, he told a friend, it's the best heart song I ever wrote. And of course, of course, he never got to hear it, you know, played on the radio or know that it would become right. a, a, you know, a, a standard. But um, I had to throw in a little bit of a Rolling Stones reference here. Yes, which I didn't. <laughs> uh, so Mick Jagger references the uh, the song in the lyrics of the Rolling Stones 1974 single. It's only rock and roll, but I like it. And after you said that, I'm like, huh? <laughs> would did. it be enough? For your cheating heart, if I broke down and cried. Nope. <laughs> oh nope. my goodness! Yeah, there we go. So the Stones listen to Hank. <laughs> Try to sleep, but sleep won't come the whole night through. Your cheating heart will tell on you. When oh, hey, good look.
Yeah, hey, hey, good looking. Here we go. 1951, so we're bumping back a little bit in, in his career, but not, not by much. We're, Another, still in, we're still in uh, the 10-inch single phase. Yep, of- yep still in the, the, the years where 10-inch singles were the, were the standard. Two and a half minutes, a little bit, bit more. And this, this song actually wasn't written by Hank. Well, it was sort of, but it's a Cole Porter song. You know, Cole Porter's just an iconic, uh, you know, American, uh, yeah. um, American composer. There you go. And then, uh, so William sort of adapted it. He, well, in, in other words, he ripped it off and yeah. uh, put his put his own words to it. But, yeah. uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this. <laughs> I'm pro- I'm probably drunk. Who cares? You know. <laughs> and I think the I think the story is in here somewhere. But uh, I th- I think he I think he promised the song to somebody else. Oh. He said, "I can make you I can make you a hit. you need a hit song. I can write you one in a few minutes." And uh, gosh, who was it? it? Was uh oh Jimmy Dickens. Little Jimmy and Dickens. Yes, he told he told Dickens that he, if he was going to become a star, he needed a hit song, and he said he'd write one. And they were on a plane ride together or something. But anyway, he wrote "Hey, Good Looking" in twenty minutes, and of course, he had the the melody in his head, you know, from right. from Cole Porter's version and stuff. But uh, but he's on the plane with uh, Jimmy Dickens, Minnie Pearl, and uh, Minnie Pearl's husband. Henry Cannon. And then a week later, so this is <laughs> another another look into William's character here. Um, he recorded it himself, and he, he told Dickens, that song's too good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, so he, he, he promised him a song, and he wrote it, and then he, he stole it back. <laughs> and believe it or not, and, and I'm sure as we keep digging into the vault but there's that story and and uh, there's another similar story about an Oak Ridge Boys song called King Jesus that uh, Del Delamont had written for the Blackwoods and they said cool when we come back in two weeks off this tour you know we'll go ahead and, and record it so they're driving back into Nashville when they get done with their tour and they hear it on the radio by the Oak Ridge Boys so oh, man. I'm not saying that, that these country people are Rude and shrewd. I'm just saying that, with my knowledge, and and now this, now this. So, oh man, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's well, it's it, it, as is common with a lot of Hank Williams Senior's music. There's a lot of double entendres. There's there's a couple of layers of meaning going on here. So, um, you know, so this basically compares food preparation to getting together with someone yeah. of the opposite sex, you know? Love. So how about, how about cooking something up for me and, and, uh, with me and, yeah. yep. And, uh, you know, how about, and then he, you know, by the end of the song, he's proposing that they just, they just stay together. You know, how about keeping steady company? Yeah, and how about we go steady? I'm going to throw, gonna my, throw my over the fence, <laughs> over the fence. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> uh, well, I guess you're not writing down any more dates in your date book. Yeah, not until you hop over you know, and go you... get it again. 
And then, we, and where does that land you? That's right, in the doghouse. Move on over. <laughs> it's all related. It's all related. <laughs> and this song, hey, was covered by. It's been covered by everybody. Just about everybody. Johnny Cash, Tennessee Ernie Ford, George Jones, Ray Charles, Dean Martin. I mean, this has yeah, been Dean covered Martin. by. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I got to hear that one. And, of course, <laughs> I think one that you have uh, a little bump of, which I like to hear, is Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison. And, and this, this is so classic because not only did Roy Orbison cover the song, he recorded an album called Hank Williams' The Roy Orbison Way. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is like an entire piece of product here of Roy Orbison, who in his own right is, you know, extremely famous and influential recording an entire album of Hank Williams stuff. Hey, good looking, what you got cooking? How's about cooking? Something up with me. Like you said, everybody recorded it. So Adele Shannon recorded it for, and you know this shows you, like I said, just what an icon uh, senior was. Is that it's recorded from Del Shannon sings Hank Williams, <laughs> <laughs> and you know not to be confused, like you said, with uh, Ray Charles, who did a whole oh yeah uh, tribute, I guess you'd say, or Ray Charles sings Roy William or Hank Williams. Yeah, modern sounds of country and western. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> and if you're if you're a video game person, the song appears in the video game Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. No way! If you turn, if you tune to the country music radio station K Rose. Oh, I have to tell, I have to tell Tyler that he'll do that. And the residents covered this song in 1986. I, I, I guess, and the, the residents were they were a wild, freaky bunch of yeah, bunch they were. Of, Bunch of folks, man. Different. Buckweed Zydeco, I can see that. Yeah. Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, exactly. Waylon. 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 All right. All right. Well, we're going to take one more break and come back with some trivia. How's that sound? Excellent. Oh, hey, good Yes, you know what that means. It's trivia time. That's right, kitties. And, and of course, this means we have some Hank Williams Sr. trivia. Can I, man, <laughs> so, can I phone a friend? I'm going to have to. You, you might. Some of this you might know. 
some of this you should. Some of it's easy, and some <laughs> of it's just going to be too complicated, and it's just like no way. But uh, so the first question. And I don't even know if we mentioned this earlier in the episode or not, but uh, where was Hank born? You know, I was going to ask you that because his name was Hiram. <laughs> Hiram. <laughs> See, that's already question number two. You got that, his name at birth. You remembered that. So, so we'll make that. Well, we'll make question number two, question number one. What was Hank Williams' name's name at birth? And it was Hiram, apparently Hiram Hank Williams, according to this. So he just used his middle name, but... Uh, Hank Williams. Well, I was scuttling through the notes and I don't see it. So, I mean, if I had a guess, <clears throat> hmm. was he a Texas boy? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you four choices. Oh, cool. That would be New Orleans, Tupelo, Mount Olive, Alabama, or Nashville. See, so you want to go to Nashville, but I just don't. Oh, let's go with Alabama. It's right, Mount Olive, Alabama. <laughs> that all was... I can think of is all I can think of is Forrest Gump, Greenbow, yep. Alabama. Yeah, and Greenbow, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Sorry, I started to fight your Black Panther party. <laughs> all right, all right. Here's a true, true or false one. I got like right. three, three in a row that are true, true, false. Did he write the song "Lovesick Blues"? That would be a false. It is a false, and that's a good guess. It was actually written in, like, he recorded it in 1947. It was written back in the 20s by wow. Irving Mills and Charles Friend. So, wow. Yeah. And we already know, you, you're going to remember this from the show already, but uh, true or false, Hank couldn't read or write music. That is true. That is true. Here's one for you, another true or false. Hank... Senior is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, he probably should be, but I don't think he is. They're so squirrely. He, he actually is. He was. That's uh, how squirrely they are. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get me started with who's not in there, and we're going to put Hank in there, but I get it. I think, you know, every year the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't induct people who were influential in the for, in the the history of rock and roll and especially very early on, like the first couple of classes, they, they had a lot of, you know, early contributors that were nominated and, and voted in, you know, in the first classes and Hank Williams was in there pretty quickly. So, but I mean, indeed, that's why we're doing a show on him. <laughs> I'm okay All right. This one, this, this one, I don't even have multiple choice for you, but, um, Ooh. Hank, Hank Williams recorded some music under a different name. And this would be a true test of your, uh, your knowledge here. This is a very Bob Dylan thing to do. Okay. Refer to himself by, you know, by another, all, another moniker. But, uh, all I can go off of is, is Junior, so it's probably not right. So I'm going to say Bocephus. But. <laughs> well, that would be a good you know. choice, but, but it's wrong. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he actually recorded under Luke the Drifter. Wow. Luke the Drifter, which is a very Bob Dylan thing to do. Yeah, you know. I'm like, I, I think I think I think Dylan actually refers someplace or references Luke the Drifter someplace, wow. but uh, unlike uh Garth Brooks, uh, Chris Gaines, his 
rock us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's an easier true or false. Hank is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. He better be. <laughs> better, better, better be the first one on the list. Yeah, keepers. <laughs> they should have started. He better be the first one on the list. He's probably not, but. Oh, my gosh. And now, do you remember from way back at the beginning of the episode, how old was he when he passed away? He's in that 29 club. 29, yes. He was. Uh, he held out for longer, longer than than a lot of '60s uh, rock and roll stars did. Well, that's true. I mean, Jim Morrison had, had heart failure at 27, so <laughs> there yep, we go. Yep. There's a whole lot of those. All right, and well, this this question's so obvious. Where where did Hank die? And it doesn't necessarily mean where, but in right. a plane crash, was murdered, drowned in the Mississippi River, in a car on his way to a concert. In his car in West Virginia on his way to Canton, Ohio. Yeah, see? Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have a good memory. That's right. <laughs> you can remember you can remember things from within the last hour. <laughs> That's still trapped like a dog. Move over, dog. Now, here's, here's a good one for you. This is the last one. But um, okay. how many years did he record... And I can give you some multiple choice stuff here, but um, let me guess first. In you know, I mean, granted, I, I'm not looking at it now. I looked at the notes, but from his first recording, man, it was like five years. It may have been a little longer than that, but not much. Well, that's a pretty good guess because it's six. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. The the entire Hank Williams Senior, you know, main recording catalog exists in the span of six years. Man, and so was his first single. Maybe we covered this. Was his first single "Moving On Over"? Or as far as well, "Moving On first, Over" was his first. It was his first well hit. Received. I'm not sure if it was okay. his first. I'm not sure if it was his first release, but it was his first hit. Yes. So six years. Well, five years later. <laughs> hmm. So we have gone through a small snippet of Hank Williams Senior. You know his career and his influence on both country music and rock and roll music. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, music in general, look at Louis Armstrong. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to do more of these, but, uh, and we already came up, we got to do a Roy Orbison show too. Roy Orbison, Ray Charles, Ray Charles. Yeah. Louis Armstrong, apparently. (laughs) Apparently apparently Louis, we covered everybody. (laughs) Well, so we can, I mean, so we can do a Louis Armstrong cover show because... We certainly could. He was the original cover band, old Louis. Hello, Dolly. (laughs) All right. Until next time, this has been episode number 10, Hank Williams and his influence. Oh, hey, you know what? Whoa, whoa, yeah. We're we're horrible. (laughs) We're not even going to make any shameless plugs. We're like, I'll see you all later. See ya. We have to do some plugs, people. Let's what well, that was fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So please, uh, songsyoushouldknow.com, also Wikipedia, Song Facts, and the entire internet. And we will be returning soon because, Ma, we haven't run out of songs yet. We just added to the list. 